Well, as you guys may have noticed, uh, Sean Farrell is still not here. Um, we, this is not my house. That is not my branch. That joke is just for Ryan Gallon, but he's not here yet. Oh, you are. Okay, good. So there's your joke. Perfect. Uh, it's not my house. It's not my branch. I did think about bringing in a little branch and then like some wood glue and trying to like graft in that branch on there. But, like, every time Sean's not here, we like stick in a little branch, but I don't think that tradition would stick. Pun intended. <laughs> So that's, that's two puns inside of 30 seconds. Um, all jokes aside, I want to thank Sean, uh, even though he's not here, for this really humbling privilege of being able to open God's word with you tonight. Tonight, as TJ and, or as Terrell and uh, Ty mentioned earlier, we get a look at how a Christian responds to trials, to difficulties. I want to open with some scenarios that might describe either you or someone you know. Um, when, when I'm talking about difficulties and trials. I don't mean uh, like, guys, you, you follow her and she doesn't follow you back. Um, I don't mean like literally follow her. Like, follow her on Instagram. Like, you follow her on Instagram and she doesn't follow you back. That, that, that's not what we're talking about. Or if the pizza place somehow accidentally puts a pineapple on your pizza. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Or if they don't put on enough, depending on where you're at on that debate. Um, but instead, we're looking at the genuine, the, the, the hardships and the difficulties that we all face in our lives. Uh, maybe your car is breaking down and you can't afford to fix it, and you're really uh, concerned and stressed about how that's going to play out. You're struggling with loneliness, you can't get a date, um, and not in a funny way, but like genuinely it's, it's causing you a lot of uh, depression and stress. There's an ongoing sin that's hammering you, and you're feeling really beat up over your weaknesses. Maybe you can't get your career started and you're feeling like you're not going anywhere. You have uh, friends or family members who are verbally abusive. Perhaps you're dealing with something even more serious, like the loss of a family member or a, fam- or a friend who's walked away from the faith. Life is full of hardships, but how do Christians respond? Tonight we're going to see the answer to that question in the text that Terrell read for us. Our passage, like he said, is 2 Corinthians 4. 16 to 18. As some background for the second letter to the Corinthian church, Paul's writing to defend his apostleship. There's been false teachers going throughout the early Corinthian church and really tearing him down and saying he's not a true apostle. They've been calling him foolish, fake, ugly, a bad public speaker. And furthermore, we're even saying that all the hardships that he has gone through, all the difficulties that Paul's endured, were maybe even because of some secret life of sin. They were really hammering him and saying he's not a worthy apostle. Paul definitely has suffering in his mind when he's writing this letter. Um, Just listen as I read the first few verses of this epistle. In verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's really on his mind, and I want to start by saying that this message is not just about persecution. This isn't a message just focused on how to get through persecution. Don't think, well, since I'm not being persecuted, this doesn't really apply to me. This is a message all about general hardship and difficult trials in life. This is something for all of us, because all of us have or will continue to have difficulty and pain in this life. If there's one thing I want you to take away, if there's one sentence to really 
grasp onto to kind of summarize the whole message, it's this. An eternal mindset helps believers persevere. An eternal mindset helps believers persevere. So with that sentence in mind, I want to reread the passage, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, Paul knows suffering. He knows the difficulties of life. So let's see how he tries to help us and correct our thinking. First, you see the biblical reality. See the biblical reality. Paul's really contrasting the eternal and the heavenly in this passage. We see he describes the things of the earth as momentary and light the things of heaven as eternal and a weight of glory. So there's momentary versus eternal. There's light afflictions versus this eternal weight of glory. He's really setting these side by side, like against each other. He's also saying that things of the earth are things that are seen. We can see these. We can really grasp and focus on these things. The things of heaven are things that are not seen. Paul really wants to emphasize that this eternal perspective when we're, when we're seeing this biblical reality, when he says again in verse 18, temporal versus eternal, the word for, te- for momentary in verse 17 literally means the very instant. Uh, the modern way of saying it would be a blip on the radar. Like, it just flash, it's gone. And that's what Paul's calling our difficulties. <coughs> They're a blip on the radar. They don't last. We, we need to see these things how God sees them they're all, even our worst hardships, in God's perspective, they're blips on the radar. James 4 describes our whole life as a vapor, right? And so setting that in contrast to even just the hardships of this life, it's even, it's even shorter, right? Uh, to illustrate this, I am a, a conservative Christian student at a liberal college studying environmental studies. I'm kind of an endangered species myself. There's, there's not very many of, of, of my type of person in this major. But throughout the major, uh, they keep on talking about Earth in terms of geologic time. What they mean by that is they'll talk about Earth in terms of uh, where it was at and developing at certain points. So they might say, you know, 4.5 billion years ago, the Earth formed. And then 200 million years ago, the Earth was like this. And 50 million years ago, the Earth was like this. They're talking about all of how the earth was at these points in time. And then they'll usually come back and say, but what's civilization been around for? 10,000, 20,000 years? Right? And they'll, they'll narrow it down really to a, a really small fraction of the time. And that's, that's a secular example of what we need to do with our trials, this verse is showing us. God's perspective is not ours. Our perspective of time and our perspective of our trials is wrong, and we need to see this from God's point of view. Paul's trying to correct our thinking by drawing our eyes off of our circumstances and up to heaven. Because again, that eternal mindset is what helps believers persevere. I'm reminded of, if you guys were there on Sunday, Chris was talking about uh, Paul's mindset in the midst of his difficulties. And listen to how he talks about the mindset of believers in trials. Chris said, Simply, the secret to overcoming disappointment is to rest in the Lord's current providence and to hope in the Lord's future promise. 
Do not focus on people who have let you down. Don't blame them or their sinfulness. Do not focus on your tough trial or difficult circumstance. In order for us to not lose heart, we need to look at the things that aren't seen. Not focusing on the circumstances or on the people, but instead looking in light of eternity. Secondly, Paul shows we need to embrace the biblical response. This is the response. We don't just see the biblical reality. There's an action that's needed. There's a response that's needed as a result of seeing that biblical reality. The result of that mindset seen in verse 16, we do not lose heart. And in verse 18, he says that we look at the things which are not seen. You see, if you have your hope fixed on the eternal Christ, so that's not seen now, then in your trials, you won't be discouraged. You'll know and trust that God is in control. And notice how verses 16 and 18 are, are, are paralleling each other. In verse 16, he says, <laughs> our outer man is decaying. And in verse 18, he says, not to focus on the things that are seen. And that's true, right? We can see the outer man decaying. We can see the wears and tears of life. If you play one game of ultimate frisbee, the next morning you can't wake up without some leave, right? It's really difficult. The, the, the outer man decaying is something we can all really focus on easily. But maybe you suffer instead from um, a chronic pain or something else where the, the outer man decaying has, has a heavier weight. The outer man decaying, the, 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 the stress and the, um, the, the difficulties in life, they're all a result of sin and the fall. And with that came every other difficulty. The, the reason why the outer man decays is because of sin and the fall. Sin is why we have difficulty in even our closest relationships with our friends and our family members. It's why we have these trials, but they can be used by God to focus our eyes back on him. We as Christians need to turn our focus from what is around us to what is waiting for us. And that's what causes us to not lose heart. We focus on the things not seen. We focus on the eternal. We focus on God. And that's what renews our inner man day by day in the midst of these difficulties. It causes us to not lose heart. We're encouraged by focusing on the things not seen. We recognize that the things of this world are passing away, right? It's temporary, and that includes our trials. The response, then, is to not focus on the things that are passing away, but instead to focus on the eternal. Instead, oftentimes, we can allow ourselves to get sucked into the circumstances, and it's easy. In the midst of a, of a difficult time, it's easy to focus on everything that's going wrong and how it can impact your life, feels like there's too much, there's no way out, it's all coming down at once, especially during some seasons in life where it seems like just nothing's going right. But listen, the key to not losing heart is to see them as God sees them. They are momentary, they are light, and you can endure to the end by God's grace. I'm right of the quote over there on the wall that says, don't let your happiness depend on something you can lose. Right? You're, you're focusing on the eternal, you're not focusing on the things of this world which are passing away. And thirdly, enjoy the eternal rewards. So as a result of seeing this biblical reality, of seeing time and trials as God sees them, and embracing this biblical response, we get to enjoy the eternal rewards. Paul says in verse 17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So what this verse is saying is that if you respond to trials biblically, if you look at them and you're depending on God, 
You're showing faith and hope and peace. Paul says you'll be rewarded. Those trials are actually what produce for you that eternal weight of glory. Now, and if you're asking, okay, so what is this eternal weight of glory? What is that? It sounds like uh, some bad poetry or something. He actually answers that for us in the next chapter. He continues this discussion of talking about the eternal versus the present in the next chapter. In verse 10, he shows what this eternal reward is. He says in verse 10, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The things that we do that glorify God, including focusing on him in the midst of our trials, those are rewarded in heaven. Look, the, the things of this world aren't fair. Your boss isn't fair, your family members aren't fair, and things in life will never work out fairly for you. But we serve a God who is. God will reward you perfectly, fairly. When you think about it, the fact that you get rewarded at all for anything is absolutely incredible, right? We're saved by grace and not by works. The only reason that we can glorify God is that he's given us his Holy Spirit. And yet, even though everything that we do that glorifies him is by his power, we still get rewarded for that. That's incredible. We serve a God who he says he will not be a debtor. We can look forward to the day when we will be rewarded for all that we have done. Listen, you won't get to heaven and think, man, this is, this is really cool and great. But I kind of don't think he really knew what was, what was going on in my life at, at, at this point. I was really like in, in a big trial and nobody else was seeing what I was going through. But I thought I was, I was responding really biblically. I, I just I thought that this reward would be a little heavier. That's not going to happen. We serve a God who knows everything. He knows your heart. He knows all the trials that are on you. And he says he won't be a debtor for that. A lot of times we don't want hardship and that's natural. No one says, I, I want something to happen to my family or my finances or my job or their friends or their ministry. Paul shows us that in the midst of these times when those things are under attack and we're having difficulty, in the midst of all of that, we can know that whatever trial we're facing, that's actually producing for us an eternal reward in that momentary affliction. If you don't go through the trials, that eternal weight of glory, that eternal reward for going through them, that's actually not being produced. The more trials you're going through, the harder your life is, the more it feels like everything is coming down on you, the more reward in heaven is for you. Paul says the more glory, the more reward is being produced in heaven as a result of those. So now we're going to look at four keys for how to go through hardship biblically. The first is we need to help each other. Help each other. What I mean by that is we need each other to remind ourselves of this, to remind ourselves of this biblical reality, to encourage each other to keep our eyes on heaven. If you look back at the passage, notice all the plural pronouns in this. Paul's really trying to, to grab the Corinthians up and say, hey, we're, we're in this together. We've all got difficulties, but look, guys, look at what's coming. Right? He's, he's really trying to draw their focus in. He's trying to help them to see their trials biblically. It's easy for us to focus on our circumstances and we need other believers in our lives who are able to encourage us. 
you really use this verse to encourage people, this verse should be in your back pocket for encouraging friends or family members who are going through difficult times that no one else but maybe even you know about. You can use this to encourage them, help them see the temporary nature of the trial, the light afflictions. And I'm just thinking back to Morgan's sermon two weeks ago on bearing one another's burdens. And you need to know where your friends in the faith are at in order to encourage them, in order to bear their burdens. Similarly for here, it's helpful to know the people in your lives closely so you can know when they need encouragement. Now, don't be tone deaf when you're trying to encourage them, right? Don't, don't be saying, well, you shouldn't be struggling with that. Or that's really not that big of an issue. Don't, don't downplay everything that someone's going through just because and even if in light of eternity it's, it's light, right? You wouldn't go up to someone and say, oh, well, you just lost your job. That's okay. It's just momentary light. Don't worry about it, right? Like you, you wouldn't downplay something that someone's going through. Instead, have a heart of compassion to help each other see things from God's perspective. Listen to this quote on encouragement. It's, uh, it's really good. He says, encouragement includes rightly discerning grounds for discouragement. Encouragement doesn't deny or minimize those realities. Instead, it equips people to face those realities with full confidence in Christ with courage in him, precisely by showing how Jesus has overcome and will overcome everything that grieves us. Notice how he's saying encouragement isn't downplaying or minimizing what someone's going through. We don't compare either when we're trying to help each other. Notice how it would have been really easy for Paul when he's trying to encourage the Corinthians to see their trials rightly. It would have been easy for him to say, this is all I've gone through. And what have you guys gone through? That, that, that would have been easy for him to do, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, well, you haven't had this happen, so stop complaining, move on. He doesn't do that. Instead, he just equips them to face what they are going through with a biblical perspective. We as believers can, in the worst of times, look forward to our future hope, to the purposes that God is accomplishing. We can help each other get our eyes off of our circumstances and up to eternity. And that's what Paul's actually doing back in the beginning. Right? If you'll remember in the beginning, I read those few verses from the beginning of the letter when he says in chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. The trials that you go through, the hardships, the difficulties in life, those really heavy circumstances that are, are difficult, those painful illnesses, you're uniquely able to help someone going through similar issues. If you have a, a chronic painful illness, you can really minister to someone in a way that someone who doesn't have that can't quite. If you have uh, lost a family member or had a friend walk away from the faith, you'll be able to much better reach out to and encourage someone who's gone through that same thing. We can help each other by building off of what we've gone through in the past. And secondly, we can look to our examples. Look to our examples. We need to encourage each other 
absolutely to set our minds on the things of heaven. That's a huge part of this. But another way of reminding ourselves of this is to look at biblical examples that we have of how to turn our focus to God. Paul's here trying to use his life as an example to the Corinthians. And it can be easy for us to forget sometimes that when Paul's writing, he's been through a lot. It wasn't just that people were tearing him down verbally. People weren't just going and saying mean things about him, that he was ugly, that he was a a bad apostle, that his life of sin, or that his life of uh, hardships was because of some secret life of sin. It wasn't just the mean things they were saying. Listen to his detailing of what he went through a few chapters later in chapter 11. Now, this is long, but it's because he's been through a lot. He says, I'm more so in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there's daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. You see this description, Paul's been through so much. And yet he calls that whole laundry list there that we saw of really heavy, painful experiences. He calls that list momentary and light. How? By looking to the heavenly reward and the joy of being with Christ. He was able to do that because he saw his hardships as what they were. He saw them as temporary. He knew that this life doesn't last. He was looking forward to that eternal weight of glory that he knew was being produced rather than being overwhelmed at what he knew was momentary and light. There's an even better example for us in our circumstances. That's Christ. If you want to know what went through his mind while he was on earth, while he was the God who needs nothing, who created everything, suddenly needing sleep and rest and feeling pain, enduring everyday life as a man and enduring the suffering and pain of the cross and God's judgment, God actually tells us what went through his mind, what kept him going in his letter to the Hebrews. Turn over to Hebrews 12. And you all know the passage about running the race with endurance in verse 1, but I want to focus our attention on verse 2. Hebrews 12, verse 2. He says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ was looking beyond the temporary. He was looking beyond the trials and the circumstances. He was looking forward, rather, to what awaited him. He left legions of angels who were praising his name for a crowd who said, crucify him. Because he knew one day every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He had the mindset of looking forward to eternity. Of seeing the joy set before him. Thirdly, we need to see that we're not a victim. We're not a victim. 
too often we can allow ourselves to get sucked up in the trials of life and the difficulties. And we live in a victimhood society where we see our difficulties as so much bigger than they really are. Uh, my boss is difficult. I, I got in a big fight with my mom. I'm financially broke. And we look at ourselves as victims of momentary things instead of citizens of heaven. And that must end. The victim mentality is common in our world. It's become um, almost something to, to do to get in with the crowd, to say you have uh, a lot of things going on and you're struggling with anxiety. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that like, kind of brings you in with people. But instead, we need to look not at ourselves and our circumstances. That's a perfect way to shipwreck your joy in Christ. Instead, look and see our lives as God sees them. Our time on earth is so small compared to eternity. I'm reminded of that song that says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. God gives us featherweight trials. And we don't see them as featherweight or momentary or light. We can be overwhelmed and, and, and feel like victims of our circumstances. But that's our eyes and not God's. From God's perspective, they are short, they are momentary, and you're almost home. The problem with the victimhood mentality, the problem with being overwhelmed by your circumstances, is that that leads to hopelessness. But Paul is showing here that we have hope, that we do not lose heart by this eternal perspective in our trials. Now, I don't want to sound like I have no compassion. We're all going through difficult circumstances in our life. I'm not trying to write off anything that you're going through. I don't know where everyone in this room is at. I know life is hard. I get that. I'm not trying to say, get over it. But instead, trying to encourage us to look to the eternal glory. Instead, that, that's what lets us see that they're not that bad. They are light. They're momentary. And you can get through this by the grace of God. And lastly, pray for an eternal perspective. Pray for an eternal perspective. If you've been sitting here going, man, I, I really do need to, to see my trials biblically and I'm not doing so well here. I'm feeling overwhelmed a lot. First, welcome to the club. And second, we need to pray for a heavenly mindset. A request for placing our hope in heaven should find its way into our prayers. And Paul does this. In Ephesians 1, 18 through 19, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. He's praying that they see their time on earth, they see their trials accurately. He's praying that they're focusing on heaven. Now, I'm blind, blind as a bat. Um, if you guys haven't noticed, I wear glasses. Um, without my glasses, I can't see the lyrics on the screen at church. The really big white words and the black background, I can't see those. I'm super blind. When I went to the eye doctor, they kept going one or two, one or two. And sometimes they switch it up and be like three or four. Like, Ooh. But, but the purpose of that was that they're trying to get you to see normally, right? They're trying to work through all of the options and get you to see correctly. And I had to pay them a bunch of money for that, like a bunch. 
But that's what Paul's trying to do here. He's trying to give us a spiritual vision. And it's a vision that God gives freely. He adjusts our perception of our trials through reading the word, through other believers, through our examples, and through prayer. He adjusts our perceptions freely. Pray for yourself. Pray for friends and family members who are going through hard times. Pray that they would have this eternal perspective, that they're seeing God's perspective in their trials, because an eternal mindset helps believers persevere. Now, you notice throughout the sermon, I've been saying an eternal mindset helps believers persevere. Believers are storing up reward in heaven, but unbelievers are storing up wrath. An eternal perspective is not an encouragement for someone who hasn't placed their faith in Christ. You've probably heard the saying for Christians, earth is the only hell they will ever experience. And for non-Christians, earth is the only heaven they will ever experience. Now, God can use trials to, to focus our eyes on him for both believers and for unbelievers. He can use trials to bring Christians back to focusing on him, but also to bring unbelievers to come to a saving faith. If you're tired and feeling worn out, you can come to Christ who gives rest. The gospel is simply that Christ came to earth to pay for our sins. Those sins, which are the cause of all of our difficulties and trials, they're the reason why we endure these hardships. We can't work our way out of that. Christ paid for that. And all we need to do is place our faith in Christ. And as a result of placing our faith in him, we have our debt paid, and we can look forward to the day when, for no other reason than God's grace, we can enter into an eternity in heaven. That's the hope that Christians are focusing on in the midst of their trials. That's, that's what anchors us in our afflictions. But the greatest gift of the gospel is not peace here in life, but peace in eternity. You don't turn to Christ for relief from trials. You turn to him for forgiveness from sins. And that could be you. You have seen tonight that we need to see the biblical reality of trials. We need to see that they don't last. That from God's perspective, they're short, they're momentary, and they're light. As a result of that, we need to embrace the biblical response of looking at what's waiting for us. Not what's around us. And doing this stores up an eternal reward. We need to help each other develop this mindset. We need to look to our examples, both around us and in God's word. We need to see ourselves not as victims, but as citizens of heaven. And we need to pray. Let's close in prayer. God, I thank you so much for your word. How comforting this is to us in trials, Lord. God, you are mighty and powerful and you are eternal, Lord. God, help us to focus on you in the midst of our difficulties and trials, Lord. God, help us to build and encourage each other up, God, during our trials. Lord, that we would trust and depend on you and not be overwhelmed. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. James, thank you so much. You guys go ahead and please stand with us. Grab your songbooks.